Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 449 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. We are talking about teenagers today. I'm really excited about this. I kind of feel like I'm now far enough along to join the club where for almost nine years now, I've been looking to you to tell our audience about teenagers, and I've just been like sitting there. So this is fun. We're going to talk about 10 things we love about teenagers today. We are. And I think that, you know, Sarah, you have been um, more and more a part of the teenager conversation. But yeah, there's a difference between being brand new in like the what am I even doing teenage stage? And then the like, I've got a little bit, I don't know, I've got a little, a few miles on my tires. Yeah. Little street cred. (laughs) I have to say, I also love this because now having older kids, so only two of my kids are teenagers, are still in the home and teenagers. And three of them are adults, but it's really fun to be able to look back now, now that I have a tiny bit of um, hindsight or like have seen them kind of come into young adulthood. It's really fun now to look at teenagerhood through the lens of them having gone all the way through it too. So I feel like I even have a new perspective than I might've had a few years ago. Well, right. And I think our listeners maybe who don't have teens yet, but could apply that. If you think about toddlers, for example, if if you if your oldest child was 18 months old or 21 months old and someone asked you like for your hot take on toddlers i mean you could you could try to come up with your observations so far but distance having been through it a couple of different times with different kids helps and then like you said having seen the whole trajectory for toddlers you could call that 12 months to age 4 or something when you've now seen the whole arc you're like Okay, I can see oh, right. like where is <laughs> what yeah. was happening. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. describing. Yeah, I don't know what the right analogy would be, but like describing the meal while cooking it. No, like you need to have finished <laughs> the meal and like and yeah. digested uh-huh. it a little bit. Right. That's yes, right. that's right. Um, <laughs> well, we also know that teenagers get a lot of, I don't know, bad press. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think we've both had our moments just like with our toddlers. We both had our moments where we're like, "Ugh, this is the worst. But also. Probably at some points, both of us have been surprised by how enjoyable teenagers can be and how enjoyable parenting teenagers can be. Yes. Like everything else, it's a both and conversation. It includes all of it. Um, I've had a few moments recently where I am the lone person in the room with teenagers and I'm hanging out with moms who have younger kids. And there's this very like kind of awkward thing that happens where they look to me to be like, what's that like? Like what? And and I can't, as we've discussed on the podcast before, it's not easy or cute to distill the challenges of raising teenagers. Um, Like it doesn't fit into soundbite conversations and often it feels vulnerable or private. So I find myself being like, yeah, it is, it is a lot. It's not for the faint of heart, but then I don't, I don't get more specific than that for all of the reasons we've discussed. And then I almost feel like, but I want to say, but also it's really great. And so I don't know if you out there have felt like moms of teens aren't being very specific about it. I think that is a common experience. I think it is sometimes hard to be specific about what's hard and maybe what's great about teenagers. It's just so much. It's so much. There's a lot happening. And I think that um, you're probably right that we give off a more negative vibe than we mean to because it is so nuanced Mm -hmm. and there is so many things happening, are so many things happening. And 
Um, yeah, it's not e- it's not easy to be like, oh, you know, potty training. Whoa. <laughs> like, it's just very different. And like we said, that like looking back, that hindsight can help even if you're looking back from 14 to 13 yeah. to compare. You know, yes. I remember having some really grumpy 13, 14, 15 year olds, depending on the kid and not even being able to have any perspective until I was a year later. Just yeah. like when you have mm-hmm. a four year old and they're giving you a hard time. And then when they're five, you're like, oh, yep. Remember when it was like really hard, but then we got past it. The teenage years are are very similar. I think I'm just going to declare it now. I think that is one of the very most challenging parts of parenting to me is being in the middle, not being able to see the other side and not believing that things will ever be any different, even though the like the universe keeps teaching you that it will be different and this won't last forever. I just think that's really hard, whether it's a two year old or a. 14-year-old, 14-year-olds, man, are Yeah, are they something. can be, they can be. And uh, yeah, that is the universal, the universal parenting experience, yeah. just not knowing what things will be like when you're in the spot that you're in now. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, like you said, we do like to, I guess, offer a, um, a positive reframe or shine the light on some true positives of things that tend to get bad press. We've done a few of these 10 things we love about uh, like themed episodes before, and I'll link them up in the show notes. And and today it's teenagers. So Megan, why don't you kick it off with something you love about teenagers? Well, let's start with something really obvious. And I'm actually going to do a little compare and contrast here for the moms of young ones listening to this. Um, I love the conversations that I'm having with my teenagers now. They're smart. They know a lot. They have opinions. But here's where it's really different. Yes, a three-year-old is also really smart. Mm-hmm. They know a lot about what they know a lot about. Maybe that's Bluey. I don't know. Yeah. They have a lot of opinions. But teenagers stay like stay in their seats when they talk for the most part. Um, they don't climb on you <laughs> when they're talking. And you can have an adult conversation. It's very yeah. different. And it really starts to feel they're not like peers exactly, but they're like interesting people that you're learning from them mm-hmm. um, and they're engaging in the conversation on a very different level than they might've been 10 years ago. So that's one of the most, I guess, obvious things that I love. So I think it's a good one to start with. Well, yeah, but it might not be obvious to somebody who hasn't had teenagers in their house. And also teenagers get a reputation for like stonewalling you, slamming the door and not speaking to you. Um, so I think it's great to to actually say that they're, they're, they are great conversationalists. The other difference between them and a three-year-old is they do leave you alone a lot of the time. So when they talk to you, you're like, Oh, you're hungry for it. Yes. Let's have this conversation. You don't always know when it is going to be, but, um, they go for long stretches without talking at you. At least, uh, at least my kids have. Um, whereas my three-year-olds sometimes have not had a, a discernible off switch. Yeah. And I want to address that, um, that sort of stereotype of the sullen teen. I, of course there are actual sullen teens who are actually withdrawn and actually aren't talking to you. But I think a lot of times what's happening is that parents are interpreting longer pauses, Mm -hmm. those longer pauses as like sullenness or withdrawing or detaching when, when really the conversation might still happen. It's just going to happen sort of in this like rush all at once. Yes. Or maybe it's going to happen at a weird time of night. And this is mm-hmm. something I've had to get used to now that I go to bed a lot earlier than I used to. It's like, sometimes my teenagers want to talk to me at 10 PM. Yes. They, do and, they come in on your bed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to say I always welcome that. That would be a lie. Sometimes I can't even keep my head up, but I try to be open to that experience yeah. because I want to take advantage of, um, of it while it's happening. And I feel like there's some parenting writer, maybe it's Catherine Newman. I'm not sure who's kind of famous for saying like, they'll never not engage in a conversation. Their teenage kids start with them. And mm-hmm. I think even though never is a strong word, um, I'll, almost always I will try to yeah. be awake or uh, alert or aware for that conversation. Cause there, it doesn't happen all the time. Right. But when it happens, it's great. Yeah, I agree. Well, the first one that came to me was that I love when my teenagers um, skills, their competencies start to actually outpace mine. Like they are legitimately apples to apples better than me at 
skills and the skills could be anything, but I have a 15 year old and a 13 year old. They will be 16 and 14 this spring and they are better than me at so many different things. And I actually love it. I don't feel, I guess, bested or like competitive or like, I I don't know, less than it feels like it's so cool to have had these little smaller people grow into bigger, taller people who legitimately have skills. So, I mean, my teens are better than me at art, decorating, building stuff, playing the piano, chess, games. They can beat me at cards. Um, I just love that. I love that too. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking as an adult, I am much better at the things I have chosen to invest serious time in since my teen years, let's say writing might be one or, you know, other things like that. Pretty much everything else. My kids are better at than me. (laughs) Pretty much everything because they're, first of all, those youthful brains are just like a little rubber bands and they're absorbing everything. And and they don't have a lot of other things to do besides learn. Like their whole lives are all about learning and acquiring skills. So they're good at everything. Yes. And I'm only good at like the things I'm really good at. Yes. Yeah, it's an interesting balance. (laughs) It's really fun. Um, This holiday season, we were just decorating cookies the regular way. I just make butter cookies and make buttercream frosting because that's what I like to eat. So we don't get really fancy. But, you know, Luke wanted to make royal icing that decorates better and then got out some decorating tools. And like I turned around, I went to like do the dishes and I came back and it was like the cookies hadn't even come from the same batch that I had just made. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? There was one where it had been like a broken snowman that he'd flipped around and then turned the round part into it looked like a snow globe with a tiny nativity scene inside it. Like it was crazy. Um, And it is just yeah, I really love that feeling of being like, I could never do that, but I made you and you can do that. <laughs> That's kind of the same thing, yeah, right? Yeah. I guess we see why people become stage mothers. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. I can see that. I guess the addiction to having your kid be really good at, at something, but hopefully, right. hopefully mine is in a healthy space right now. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. 
And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, so this one actually made me kind of smile and a little teary when I was thinking about it. And this is something that happens if you're paying attention more often than you might think. And that is, I love the glimpses that these are still the same people that they were 10 or 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, I used to talk all the time about sweet Owen and his sweet little face and his big eyes. Like there's just a, an image I have of him when he was a little, little guy and loved mom more than anything in the whole wide world. And he's the youngest Um, for those who maybe don't know your family structure too. He's the youngest brother of four boys. Right. So he was kind of like your last little guy. Yeah. Yeah. And also very like earnest, um, always very intense and earnest, just like there was a real sweetness to that. A lot of which has been overshadowed in his teen years by being really logical, really stubborn, really um, like good academically, which can make him like hard to talk to at times, like hard to debate. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it that way. But he still exists. Like sweet Owen is still in there. I kind of have to like sneak up on him. Um, but he still likes me to touch him. I just don't, I don't come at him the same way that I used to, you know, Clara, when she was three or four, I mean, so funny. Her imagination was just off the charts and the things that like the little songs that she'd make up and the, um, stories that she would tell, but that's still in there. She's Mm -hmm. just a little sharper now. She's a little more teenage sarcastic and sardonic. So like, it's still there. It's just become this more, I don't know, worldly wise version of what it was before, but she's still that same person. And I love those glimpses and they happen. If I'm paying attention, they happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has shape shifted or something, but it's, it's the essence is still there. I love that. Exactly. Well, I love that in both my teens, I have seen early, like early twinkles of evidence of the, their own self-awareness. So like starting to think about what kind of personality do I have? What, um, what bothers me? What makes me tick? And maybe I am biased toward this because I, I mean, you and I both love self-awareness. We like, we like talking about personality, love a personality, love test. a personality test. Um, Luke especially already, um, is very interested in psychology and personality but even Reed, um, ha- like definitely has shown just huge growth in knowing himself. And that is something it's like, I don't know how we teach that at all. So I, I can't really take credit for it. But every time I see it, I'm like, that is so cool. I guess at 15 and 13, I was starting to know myself too. I'm sure I was, I would have to go back to the journals and stuff, but there's something very special when I've seen it in my kids. And I'm going to tell a little story about Reed that I'm 90% sure I haven't told on the podcast and you all listening. If I have, please enjoy it again. Um, but Reed, this was in November, a few months ago, and he had an all day robotics tournament with his team at school. And so it was, he was gone on a Saturday from like 7am getting home at 6pm. And we had visiting family. We had my aunt and cousin in from out of town and they were only going to be in town a short time. And I'd written on the whiteboard that morning that we were having dinner, family dinner that night with the visiting family. And so Reed, you know, was up at six out the door at this all day. These robotics tournaments are like in a big gym. And Reed is an introvert. He is he needs time and space away from people. He always has since he was a little guy. And we were in the car on the way in the morning and he had seen on the whiteboard that there was this family dinner at the end of the day. And he said, Mom, I need to talk to you about family dinner, like really like really serious and very mature. And I was like, okay. He's like, I know it's important. I know that they have traveled from out of state to be here. I just don't know how much more peopling I'm going to be able to take tonight. And I was like, that is so fair. Like, I totally understand. Like, I almost got a little teary. Like, yes. I, I mean, any of us who spent all day, like if you went to a work conference, Megan, and then we're expected to come home and 
hang out with extended family you didn't see very often. It's just a lot of peopling. And it was something so special that he knew that about himself and that he was proactive enough to say to me, like, we got to talk about this. And then we did talk about it. And I said, well, how about if you can escape and play video games for a little bit during happy hour and then join us for dinner? And he was like, yes, I can do that. Like, great. So it was really cool. I do. I love that he was able to express that in that what like to know that that was why he what he was stressing about, because I could see some kids without that ability or without those words, just thinking, I feel stressed, but I don't know why. And maybe right. lashing out at a sibling or just being kind of a butthead all like, night or oh, whatever. You know? Like, why yeah, do we have exactly. family dinner? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, then the parent might misinterpret what's happening. Right. And it, so it takes both. It takes both a kid who's able to express that and then a parent who's willing to listen and maybe hear what's between the lines or what they can't say. Right. And be open to uh, accommodating that because I don't I I don't think that was the thing generationally right. when of we course. were kids. Yeah, it would have been like suck it up. Your aunt just drove from wherever, right. or you can do this for three nights. And sometimes that's true. Like sometimes yes, we absolutely. can tell our kids you can suck it up. But like just even being able to express like I'm not going to be my best might have just in and of itself yeah. been a relief. Yeah, and so. and to do it ahead of time, like to almost be able to like forward future cast. To be like, oh, this could really go south. I'm going to get home from this thing. I'm going to want to play my video games. Mom's going to say I have to hang out with the family. Um, Like, let's troubleshoot this now, which he did. And it was just a moment of incredible maturity. And like you said, they are not, they're not always future casting that well, nor do they always get a say in when they have to show up for family dinner. But when the glimpses happen, especially when it helps them advocate for what they need in the world, that's just really cool, I think. Love it. Well, this is another one that popped into my head from some conversations that I've had with my oldest recently. Um, but that do happen with the youngest sometimes. You got to pay closer attention for these ones. But I love when I hear them talking either to me or to each other. Happens a lot that way about something that I did when they were young or taught them when they were young. And it's clear they appreciate it. Mm. And um, sometimes I will say that doesn't happen a lot at 14 or 15. Right. <laughs> they're, they're not You're still doing yet. it. Yeah, like, right. They're I'm still, still doing it yeah. and they're still not appreciating it. Right. But when the older ones will say sometimes, like I had a conversation with Isaac at Christmas where he just kind of offhand said that he loves how much his siblings and he all love each other. They're each other's favorite people. And that he thinks some of it is like the way um, their dad and I set it up and how we handled conflicts and things like that. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Jacob the other day commented that he appreciates that they ate a lot of vegetables when they were kids. Oh, my he kids said, will not be telling that to me. I don't think. Well, but you don't know <laughs> like because he said he said he was at um, he's at college right now and he was like in the dining area and he said that he just realizes like and, and who knows like people eat the way they eat in college because yeah. that's the way they eat in college is probably not a lot to do with the way they grew up actually most of the time. He's like, I just really appreciate that, you know, I like to eat like I eat fairly healthy. And like, I just think that's because you fed us a lot of vegetables. And I was like, "Okay, (laughs) thank you. I mean, I I don't I really don't even know if I'm getting if it's fair credit to give me. But I did make an effort to like at least have them on the table, even if the kids didn't actually eat them just so they were like exposed. And I'm like, oh, okay, you noticed. It's nice to know that. And I that kind of thing happens. I would say it's less earnest. When it's my two teenagers, like Clara and Owen will make comments, but they don't, you know, teenagers don't do a lot of things in earnest. They don't do a lot of things like <laughs> looking at you and making great eye contact and saying, mom, I really right. appreciate when you did this, but I can sort of tell when they, they dance around topics yeah. or I'll hear them talking with their older siblings. Mm-hmm. So the older siblings, if you have a family with multiple kids often will kind of, um, I don't know, like remind the youngers when they have something good or like, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to see. And yeah. I have just really appreciated that and watching that play out with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think I have noticed that most with Luke as he started to spend more time with other teenagers in other households. And yeah, like you said, it's sometimes just a very offhand comment, but I can tell that they're starting to be exposed to other families and sometimes are glad for the way our family has done things. So yeah, and it's not even necessarily being critical of another family, just like, yeah, just being recognizing what 
um, what you appreciate, appreciate about your own. Yeah. 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 Well, this next one is a little vague, so I know you'll be patient with me as I work through it, Megan, but I have found as a parent of teenagers and no other time in parenting quite as much as the last few years that just by being who they are has required me to look at a lot of my own, um, patterns, my own assumptions, my own biases. Like, I feel like, you know, they say like, you got to look in the mirror and like kind of own your own stuff. I feel like having teenagers has required me to do that. Not because they are, um, challenging me directly or anything. It's more that, um, things seemed simpler when they were smaller. I had the illusion of influence and control. And even though I could read books and hear you talk and you don't really learn these things until you are in them. But I, I feel like I've had to chuck out some of my old assumptions and belief systems on the regular in the last two years. And I see that as a good thing. Do I love that about teenagers? Maybe it Maybe it's not, maybe it's like needs an asterisk or something to be, but I appreciate you don't enjoy, you don't enjoy it, right? but you can love it the way you love someone who challenges you a lot or something, you know? Yeah. And like, I guess I feel like this midlife forties phase is a bit of my own adolescent. Like it's a little bit of an like awkward growth period for me as a midlife person. And it's hard to sort out, like, is that being... 43 or is that parenting teenagers? And because you could also be 43 and have toddlers like it, you know, it's, it's not, it's not one in the same, like the stage of life I am in and the stage of life my kids are in are lining up, but I do appreciate the, um, the push toward personal growth for myself. I guess that was really, really vague, but I think, you know what I mean? I don't actually think it was that vague. I think that you're right where, where it, my brain goes with it is that little kids needs are often very obvious and they will get in your face and remind you of what those needs are. Like they will remind you with no, you know, with no uncertainness if they like what you're doing or don't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, if they want more of it or less, like it's just a very different. And then the rules you have to follow and I'm putting rules in big air quotes here, uh, to be a quote, good unquote parent are sort of simple and you can make them up yourself and stick to it. And who's going to tell you otherwise your kids aren't going to be like, no, actually that's not what I need. Or like you should do things differently. And then you get into the teen years and you're like, Oh, right. It's, it is different. And it kind of forces you to, uh, yeah. Take a look in the mirror, ask yourself why you react certain ways to certain things, why certain things bother you. What don't for me, a lot of it has to do with like, uh, fear of being judged by others and how much I have maybe without even being aware of it judged or assessed other kids, other families, other parents. And like, I feel like I have so much more compassion for <laughs> literally everyone, like everyone, everyone is doing their best um, in the last few years of raising teenagers. I, I think that's interesting because I think if I had asked you five years ago, you would have said and believed that what other people thought was not a huge factor. In fact, I think I remember you telling me that, that like what other people thought didn't feel to you like a huge factor in the way you made decisions, but it's different when most of the stuff you're doing is in your home versus outside your home. Yeah. And when, yeah, like outside your home and that the the product, your children is out walking around, (laughs) not attached to you. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can't control the message anymore. No. And you realize that like, whatever you thought was the way, (laughs) whatever you thought was the way to have the kind of family you hoped or the parenting you hoped or the kid you like, there's no, um, there's no one right way. We've been saying that, that on the podcast for 10 years. So I guess I'm just learning my own lesson in teenage, like the teenage version. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. 
highest chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. So my next one is kind of fun. And this comes from a lot of the conversations I'm having now with, with Owen and Clara, who love to just yak at me about, I don't know if the other ones weren't as talkative or if they were just talking to each other and I was too busy to like absorb it or maybe they were just, and you had littler kids. Yeah, I had littler ones. And I think there was just so much talking happening at that stage of my life. There's just like in general, I think I was like kind of glazed over a lot of the time because there was just five voices, but now there's just two. And I am loving getting the reminders of what that time of life was like for me mm-hmm. through my kids' eyes. So I have a a high school senior and a high school freshman. I remember being a high school senior very well, but you know, I remember being a high school freshman pretty well. And those couldn't be more different. Interestingly, I don't remember being a sophomore or a a junior that well, Hmm. which I think is interesting. Um, Maybe I do. And it's all like mixed up with other things, but it kind of felt like this big mishmash middle, Mm -hmm. but I remember the, the bookends and I just love hearing them talk about, um, I don't know, like what school is like and what the kids in their school are like and what their teachers are like. They're so funny. They have the funniest stories about their teachers. So Clara gets home today and she's telling me that her teacher made a pot roast in school. And I'm like, (laughs) wait, what? And she says like she brought a crock. She brings a crock pot to school and she makes her dinner or something. And she's telling me and she's like, and it was this pot roast and it smelled like so terrible. And then the kid next to me smells like a belly button and (laughs) like the combined two smells were so awful. And I'm kind of grossed out, but I'm like putting myself back in that time of life where you're sort of stuck in a classroom next to people who make weird noises or smell funny or whatever. And you're like, you're so immersed in that world. Uh It's like, it becomes your world. And we went and saw the mean girls movie yesterday, the new one. And it was just really fun to see that and like after and afterward to quiz Clara and say, is your school like that? And she said, there's no one that popular in my school. Like the no one is that cool. I said, well, Clara, it's an exaggeration, right? It's a it's a it's a story. But anyway, it it's just really fun. And it kind of takes me back. It makes me feel I don't want to say young again because it it doesn't really make me feel young again, but it makes me remember what it was like to be young again. So I have a follow up statement and a follow up question. Question first, do you feel, do you ever share like the thoughts in your head of like, well, when I was your age or I remember that, or do you, does that shut your kids down immediately? Cause I sometimes feel tempted to contribute to the conversation by comparing, contrasting. Um, but I don't get the sense that the kids love that. I, well, I do when it, um, 
when it adds to the conversation and doesn't like, like, I wouldn't say, oh, but that's not how it was when I was a kid. I would just be like, oh, that's really interesting. I have, I remember this, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. One thing I think that's interesting is that my kids are still connected to so many of the people that I went to high school with, including their father, including their aunt, including one of my other best friends. They're still like adults in their lives. Some of their teachers I went to school with. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll share a story and it's like they're seeing a different version yeah. of someone they know as a grown up, but like at their age. And I think they kind of dig that. So yeah, I do all the time actually. Yeah. And, um, But I just try not to do it in that like stereotypical, like back, one, back in my day. Right. Or if I do, I, I like will, um, set it up that way and be like, oh, you guys are going to laugh when I share this comment about back in my day. I find it to be pretty well received most of the time. Yeah. And when I say the kids don't love it, I think that is actually probably me trying to check myself so I don't do it too much or that I don't like steamroll their, right. Their, their storytelling. Um, but you, it's so funny. You brought up that their your kids are connected to so many people that were around in your high school time, because that was what I was going to share was that my high schooler goes to my high school. So right. with, any of the same teachers? Well, we've tried to compare teacher notes. I, there's very few teachers, I think, that are there and none that Luke has had as a teacher yet. This is just his first year at that school. But um, I don't have as I'm not connected to as many actual human people that I knew in high school who are still living in town. But in terms of the place, like I drop my kids off at movie theaters and malls and the mm-hmm. high school are the same exact location. There's this like set of stairs that leads up to this theater where Luke has performed and I used to perform. And I'm like, I'll pick you up at the stairs. And then I'm like, this is, I'm living my life again, except it's much more tied to place than people. Whereas you're a couple of towns away, right? So yours, you right. have, you're connected to people from that time period, less so the place, but we're both having that deja vu. It's crazy. But I will also every now and then we will run across a place you know, there's places because my dad lived in the same town that my okay. kids go to school in for um, several years. So I would spend summers and I'll sometimes just offhand mention like, oh, yeah, when I was, you know, a kid, I used to come to this, this, I don't know, restaurant or yeah. I used to um, ride my bike to the beach right here. I remember. And Clara, at least, is like she loves that. Stuff. Yeah, I think I my feel kids like she like gives it. her some cosmic connection or yeah. something from beyond the decades. So I, I think yeah. my kids like it, too. I think it was so crazy to me when we first moved back that I just, I'm a little like self-conscious of like, have we, have we already done this? Like the kids are like, so did you also, you know, like go here when you were a kid, mom, like we've just kind of done it, but I agree. I think they, I do think at some level they like it. So, um, well, speaking of school, I love when my kids actually come home with specific things they are learning in school, like actually in their academic classes, this has been I think this has been even more rewarding now that I have two teenagers because they actually talk to each other about what they're learning. Um, And we are kind of a nerdy family. Like we like history and we like facts and um, I'm not really science oriented, but Brian really is science oriented and I'm more literature oriented. So we've always been kind of like a nerdy family that way. But now to have um, a 10th grader and an eighth grader come home and actually like tell the family something they learned in AP psychology or U.S. history. It like it's I don't know. I think it combines the part of me that loved to learn as a student with the mom part of me that loves to impart knowledge to my kids. But now they're imparting knowledge to me. And then even Violet, who's turning 11, like she'll chime in with stuff. And it's just like it's like having the beginnings of this kind of, you know, intellectual salon around the dinner table. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, we were just like hoping no one was crying at the dinner table. So I love, I love the academics. I'm so grateful for like the way they're learning about certain things. And I, you know, I just, yeah, it makes me happy. I love that. And I think we all have had that. Um, I don't know that I feel like there's always some scene in a movie where there's like a family and I feel like they always have like 18 kids around the, (laughs) around the table and they're all like debating, you know, they're debating, um, historical conflicts or like something and like all one upping each other. And it's like this big, and I remember watching those movies when my kids were little and being like, seriously, (laughs) I would just like no one to burp 
Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So um, it is fun now when I see my kids together. Now, those conversations are usually not quite as wholesome as I remember them being from those movies. Um, but they're just as funny and they're just right. as smart. Like they're just and they all bring something a little different to the table, yep. too, which is really fun to see. Like you've got the one you've got the the comedian who can make everything funny. And you've got the person who knows everything about Jacob's like the one who knows everything about history. And then, um, Isaac's more of a literature guy. And then Owen's more of a science guy and Will's really, really funny. And they all just kind of, and Clara will just chime in on anything right now. Yeah. She's trying, she's trying to figure out like her place, I think, but, um, yeah, it's really, really fun. Sometimes I've noticed it's not even like, Oh, here's what we're learning in history this week. It'll come up in, we'll be having a conversation that, starts from a completely different source. And I, I still mistakenly think that I have kind of the broadest breadth of knowledge on <laughs> world events. And I'll be like, well, I think that was like after world war two, such and such. And someone will chime in and be like, well, no, actually, cause this, ha-. I'm like, wait, hold on. So I guess that goes back to the thing of my kids being better than me at things. And it's just, yeah, it's cool that what they're learning in school is literally allowing them to have those more interesting conversations. And it's funny because you sometimes might think your your knowledge is fresh, but it's probably kind of stale. Sure. And you've probably forgotten some stuff oh, along absolutely. the way or, or you've conflated a couple of battles along the way or yeah. something. I mean, yeah. I have so. to say one more funny thing. Luke said something the other day and I was kind of in a grouchy mood. I wish I could remember the nature of the fact because it was maybe it wasn't about daylight savings time. It was some other like fact. And I said in not a very... um warm way. I was like, that sounds like TikTok science. And Luke was like, actually, I learned it in AP psychology. And I was like, okay, never mind. Oh, you got actually. Yeah, you got, got actually. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I accused I it. it of being like TikTok science and turns yeah. out it was academic learning, book learning. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, <laughs> right? Those TikTok scientists, they really have... <laughs> They really know how to craft their their factoids. Oh my make gosh. Them sound yes. legit. But this yes. one actually was. Yep. All right. Well, last one from me. Um, and this is kind of the flip side of what you were just saying, but I love that I still have the opportunity to be an expert for my teenagers, but just in a very selective way. So it kind of used to annoy me. And I used to joke about this um, when my kids were a bit younger. So I'm going to say maybe because Owen was like the one I think who was the most intense about this when he was maybe eight, nine, 10, 11, like in that in that sweet older boy yeah. stage, which yeah, yeah, yeah. you remember that stage, yes. right? Um, he thought I knew everything and they all did. They would yeah. all ask me everything. But Owen trust he had this faith that he could oh. ask me literally any question. And I would just know the answer. Like I would just pull it out of you were Alexa. my magical. <laughs> not, exactly. And I remember sometimes I would say, I don't, how would I know that? Like, what, <laughs> why are you asking me that with so much confidence? It's fine if you want to ask me, but then don't be so surprised when I just don't know, or yeah. I have to Google it or whatever. And, um, you know, eventually he got over that and stopped asking me anything. Cause then he probably thought I was a dummy for a couple of years. Sure. But now that he's 18 and he's going through the college application process and like learning about life, yeah, he's asking me questions again. Now he doesn't fawn over me mm-hmm. anymore and he doesn't ask me everything. He's selective in what he asks me. But that to me is so much more of um, a compliment. Yeah, it's flattering. He wouldn't, yeah. yeah, he wouldn't bother if he didn't think I had some information or some knowledge. And um, he's the one who comes to mind like right now, but they've all been that way. You know, Mm -hmm. I had to, I've helped um, all of them with things having to do with their credit scores. They're like, like how to establish their banking lives, how to get into colleges and why they might want to do one thing or another. Should they take student loans? Like all of these things. And they really do come to me and they really think and believe that I'm an expert on certain things within a limited mm-hmm. sphere, but that shows some respect. And I just really appreciate that. I like being that. I like having that role. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I don't think mine are quite there yet. The things I'm, the things I need to impart still just need to be imparted whether they want to or not, but I can see glimpses right. of that in the future. So I love that. Um, well, my last one is I love that at you know, almost 14 and almost 16, they are far enough removed from their little kid years to look back and have some of their own like nostalgia and 
memories of those years. You talked about um, your kids looking back and kind of thanking you for things that you did. Um, This is more about like they actually have kind of their own warm fuzzies for being a little kid. And I love hearing them talk about things we did when they were little. Sometimes they'll compare memories and be like, which house was that in? Where were we? How old was I? Um, And it just makes me realize they are they've now been on this planet for enough time to have some distance from where they are now to their earliest memories. Um, And it also leads them, I think, to kind of cling to some sweeter traditions and little things that I started when they were little that I would think that they would find kind of dumb now or be too cool for. But they actually really value some of the little traditions and rituals that I started when they were little, which for our listeners who are just at the beginning of carving out that family culture and starting traditions. And it feels like so much pressure and it feels like you got to do things every year. And um, it's so gratifying to now be in the future and have them attached in their own way to the way we did things when they were little. Um, So I love that. Um, A couple, I don't know if it was last summer or the summer before, but Luke planned a whole nostalgia day. He called it nostalgia day with the th- all three siblings. And for an entire summer Aww. day, they watched PBS cartoons that they watched when they were preschoolers. And they downloaded some iPad games from the very early, like iPad days of little games that they would play. And they, they listened to me. Mu- I forget. They had a whole like itinerary of movies, shows, and media that they remembered from when they were little. So I, it's like, I, I can almost not believe that they're old enough to be nostalgic about when they were little, but it's so cute. That, that is the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I also love that they, like they chose the stuff because I have, I bet if they had said, Hey mom, we want you to put together, not that they would ever do this, but right. if they'd been like, mom, we want you to put together a nostalgia day. Or if you had had the idea, yeah. The stuff you might have assumed they'd be nostalgic for maybe wouldn't have been the stuff like right. it just tells you a lot. Right. I'm thinking about that coming off of a holiday season where I did kind of a lot of thinking and, and some angsting this year. I don't think angsting is actually a verb, but I'm going to use it that sure way um, about the things I could let go of. Like, what are the things that now that my kids are older and most of them are out of the house and now I'm remarried and all of those things, what are the things that stay and what are the things that I have? that I can, you know, feel good about letting go of. And, uh, I kind of got stuck right there. I should have asked them, right. You know, right. Because I don't know what they care about. Sometimes I think I know, but I don't always know. Yeah. 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 I love listening. By the way, I love listening to my kids talk about their favorite shows from when they were little Uh and, and like some of them, you know, there's a 11 year spread between Clara and Jacob. So sometimes it's like stuff they remember watching together. Yeah. Sometimes it's wildly different. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's stuff that was really geared toward a little kid, but that the oldest got into, like yes. um, when Clara was really into my little ponies, all the boys called themselves bronies. I don't, they really weren't. I don't <laughs> think that's a positive thing to be a brony. Um, it's a real thing. Oh, I didn't but know I don't, it was a thing. It just made me giggle. No, it, it really is a real thing. I don't think they considered them. They literally considered themselves bronies. I just think they thought it was funny to kind of. Right. But then it's a legitimately good show. So then they couldn't help themselves. Yes. So it's like, you know, that kind of thing, too. Yeah, really that fun. happens. My, the spread for me is only it's just under five years because I only have three kids. But same thing, like some of Violet definitely watched more TV than the other two because third child. Um, so the older two actually have a lot of memories of stuff that Violet watched. She was really into Mickey Mouse Clubhouse Um, whereas I think when the older two were little, it was PBS or nothing, but then we had gotten more into like Disney and Nickelodeon and stuff. So Violet had a little bit more cultural like relevance. And like you said, the older ones will get into it, even if it's just for the little sister and then to hear them. Yeah. And they used to, oh my gosh, they used to make long videos. Reed and Violet went through a phase where they were really good buddies when they were like, after they fought for five years, but then when they were like, I don't know five and seven, six and eight, somewhere in there, they would make long videos featuring with like narration, featuring stuffed animals and like their little voice. And so they'll go back and watch those videos together. And yeah, I I mean, I think you taught me that that specialness of inside jokes among siblings is like one of the most gratifying things as a parent. And I remember you talking about that before I even had experienced it, but it is. It really is. Oh, I love that nostalgia day. I want to have a nostalgia day. Yeah. <gasps> what I should ask is for them to plan me a nostalgia day and see what they think. Yeah. I would be nostalgic about. Yeah. And that would be funny. 
because it might not be. <laughs> I bet I took a picture of the agenda for Nostalgia Day because it was so detailed and they were, it was like in the dead of summer when there was nothing happening. And so if I can find it, I'll see if I can put it in the show notes or at least share with you, Megan, because it was like down to the half hour. There was so much on there. It was amazing. Oh, well, this was really fun. I feel I feel very warm and fuzzy toward our teenagers. Um, I, I did ask in the Facebook group as well if any of our listeners who are moms or teachers of teenagers had anything to add. And so if you uh, want even more, there's some really sweet and thoughtful comments about loving teenagers in the Facebook group. I will link up the thread in our show notes. And if you're not in our Facebook group, it is a great place to gather with the mom hour community. There's a couple of questions you'll be prompted to answer um, when you click the link to join. And it just kind of, um, verifies to us that you are actually a podcast listener um but yeah we'd love to have you there and i will link up that uh thread and megan will be back with everybody next tuesday yeah talk to you then thanks for listening to the mom hour everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com and hey while you're there you can find more than 500 podcast episodes plus articles playlists and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.